In the dictatorships of the modern world, bills of rights are a dime a dozen. What makes ours work is a governmental structure, a constitution of government, designed by 55 extraordinarily wise national leaders over the course of a four-month convention 200 years ago. Scalia, J. Dissenting. Hello again, and welcome back to Court is in Session. I am Court Culver, and I just wanted to start out by thanking you guys. My first two podcast episodes have gotten over 40 plays, which is more than I expected to get out of it. Again, I think I'm doing this more for me than for anybody else, but it's nice to know that at least a few people are marginally interested in the inner workings of my mind. So with that, I want um, this podcast episode to be about something that is going on right now in American politics that you've probably heard far too much about, and that is the second impeachment of former President Donald Trump. Now, I want to start off by saying that this episode is, is not my opinion on the merits of his impeachment. That is, whether or not he uh, committed any criminal offenses or whether or not he indeed incited the riots. But instead, this is a conversation about the constitutionality of the impeachment process itself. And I think um, what I'm trying to get across will become more clear as I talk. But um, we are citing today... Uh, the Constitution, as well as a case that I just went over in law school a little bit, Marbury versus Madison. So naturally, I know everything there is to know about that case. In case you couldn't tell, that was absolute sarcasm. But um, this is just my opinion on the matter. And yeah. So impeachment comes up three times in the Constitution. Um, two of those times are in section two, uh, which is about the legislature and one time in section four, which is about the president and the vice president. So article one, section two says the Senate shall have the sole power to try all impeachments when sitting for that purpose, they have, they shall be on oath or affirmation when the president of the United States is tried, the chief justice shall preside. And no person shall be convicted without the occurrence of two-thirds of the members present. So first of all, I want to uh, go to the first sentence there. The Senate shall have the sole power to try all impeachments. So the way impeachment works, for those of you who may not know, although I'm assuming that most of you do, is impeachment is done in the House. It starts there. So if the president does what is called a high crime or a misdemeanor, then the House of Representatives says, hello, Mr. or Madam President, you have uh, done a high crime or a misdemeanor. We don't think that's good. So we are going to impeach you. And that is mostly a political process, as you can hear far more about and in much greater detail by listening to Anthony Davies and James Harrigan on the Foundation for Economic Education's Words and Numbers. It's mostly a political process. So it's saying, we don't think that because of this particular thing that you are fit to run. And this already happened, as you remember, um, 
earlier in Trump's presidency. But it's happening again because of the Capitol riots. And it doesn't have the same level of proof needed to as a, as a regular trial does. It's a political thing. Um, we have this cause of action. And so Donald Trump, while he was president, was tried uh, or was impeached. The House found that he was impeached. But since that happened, obviously, he has left office. He was voted out. And President Joe Biden has taken over. So now we are at a point, unlike any other in U.S. history, where you've had a president who was impeached by the House of Representatives, but left office before he was able to be tried in the Senate. So, as we see from Article 1, Section 2 of the Constitution, when it goes to the Senate, who does the actual removing, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court is going to preside. Now, Chief Justice John Roberts has already made it abundantly clear that he will not be presiding over this impeachment trial. And the reason that he gives is that Donald Trump is now a private citizen. He is not the president of the United States anymore. This is not something that the Senate needs to be doing. And I want to address this point a little bit more. So for one, I want to point back to Marbury versus Madison. And this is a landmark case in the U.S. Supreme Court that is most famous for establishing the idea of judicial review. So if the legislature does something that is unconstitutional, the Supreme Court now, ha after Marbury versus Madison, has the ability to say that's unconstitutional and it is no longer a law. Um, but the other thing that Marbury versus Madison did is it established that the Supreme Court views the, the President of the United States as an office and not that as an individual. Um, so in the case of Marbury versus Madison, Marbury was, was uh, nominated to be a Justice of the Peace in the District of Columbia by John Adams, but... Uh, his commission was unable to be delivered before Thomas Jefferson took office. And when Thomas Jefferson took office, he said, well, no, I'm not going to deliver this commission to you because I didn't nominate you. And the Supreme Court said that it is just one office. This was a signed nomination and sealed from the president of the United States. The president of the United States is an office. Therefore, this is, you know, the same thing. It doesn't matter that it's a new person in office. Now, where does that come in with impeachment? So the original impeachment in the House of Representatives, that was the House of Representatives saying the office of the president, not necessarily Donald Trump, but the office of the president did these things that we thought were bad. The office of the president incited this violence. The office of the president uh, called people to storm the Capitol and create an insurrection. But now we're going over to the Senate. And now that Donald Trump isn't in office anymore, the Senate is not saying that the president of the United States did this, did these things. They're saying that Donald Trump, a private citizen, did these things. 
And that's why Chief Justice John Roberts isn't there, because he's a private citizen. And the court views the President of the United States as an office and not an individual. And part of me can't help but think, if this were to go through somehow, and the Senate were able to get two-thirds to remove Donald Trump from office, if they would actually be removing the sitting president, Joe Biden, from office. And I don't think, I, I prom- like I guarantee you, there's no way that that would actually happen like that. But in the way that I've been reading the Constitution and, and thinking about it, I can't help but wonder if that is... Like, that's, strictly speaking, how that would be read, if you're looking just at the words of it. But I don't know. Like I said, there's no way that the Senate's going to try Donald Trump and Joe Biden will be kicked out of office. But I am saying all of this to say that the, the President of the United States is an office. It's not a person. So to try Donald Trump when he isn't president anymore would not be an impeachment. And in fact, the Constitution has something interesting um, that I've been doing more digging about that would actually probably be more politically expedient for the left, as well as more constitutional. So, again, in Article 1, Section 2, judgment in cases of impeachment shall not extend further than to remove than to removal from office and disqualification to hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, profit or profit under the United States. But the party convicted shall nevertheless be liable and subject to indictment, trial, judgment, and punishment according to the law. So first of all, it kind of gives what the punishment for impeachment um, when you're the president is. It's that you are removed from office if you're impeached, which again, you can't remove somebody who's not in that office. So removal from office is off the table. But I think what people are getting at is they like they don't want Donald Trump to run again. Disqualification to hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, or profit under the United States. But the next clause is really interesting to me. But the party convicted shall nevertheless be liable and subject to indictment, trial, judgment, and punishment according to the law. So I think it would be far more politically expedient and it would be far more constitutional for Senate Democrats to find some attorney general somewhere. And there's got to be some somewhere who's just dying to bring charges against Donald Trump, the private citizen. I think you bring him to a traditional court of law. I think there would be a more thorough evidentiary process because they rushed the impeachment through the House so quickly. It was obviously a political stunt. And like I said before, impeachment is a political move. It's it's inherently political. But I don't think you can I don't think anybody can look at what happened in the House and say, yeah, I think they did a good job gathering all the evidence. I think they did a good job. Um, I think there was good actual debate. So I think um, an actual trial and an actual court of law would be a good way for everybody to kind of air their dirty laundry. I think it would be a good time for Donald Trump to defend himself instead of 
trying to say that he needs to testify and that him not testifying is an admission of guilt, which is just blatantly unconstitutional. But setting that aside, I think it would be a more dignified process and everybody would be able to say what they want to say. So I think if if they really wanted to be constitutionally sound and they and also I think if Donald Trump went to jail, I think that would be incredibly embarrassing. And I think that would serve to the effect that he wouldn't be able to hold office anyway, because I think that's the big goal here is not allowing Donald Trump to be able to run for office again. But I think trust should be put in the American electorate to not elect him again as someone who is a member of the Trump base all four years of his presidency. I can tell you right now that I would not vote for him again in a primary and I would not vote for him again in the general. And I, I think a lot of people are on that same side. And I think especially if Donald Trump were to be convicted in a court of law, sent to jail or pretty heavily fined, I think a lot of people wouldn't vote for him again either. But I think that this impeachment, and I'm using air quotes here because I'm not even sure you can call it an impeachment. First of all, if the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court's not presiding. B, if it's trying a person who doesn't hold that office anymore. I don't think it's an impeachment. Anyway, it's brought up one more time in Section 4. The President, Vice President, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, and other high crimes and misdemeanors. So just kind of laying out what you can be impeached for. And if Donald Trump really did incite violence and you were able to prove that, then I would say that is a high crime or a misdemeanor. But, and I think I said this before, but to me, it seems like the purpose of impeachment is to protect the American people from horrible people being in office. So I think impeachment at its very core is the legislature saying the American people made a horrible mistake and this person should not be allowed to finish out the end of their term. It would be more damaging for them to finish out their term. But Donald Trump is out of office now. And it seems that the American electorate should not, and it it seems to me that the American electorate should be given the choice of whether they want him back in 2024. I don't think they will. I think Donald Trump will never be president again. And if the purpose is really to punish him, then his crime should go through normal courts. And I want to finish off with kind of why I think this is so important. Because I think a lot of people might say, you know, you could read this to say that it's fine constitutionally for him to be tried like this. At the end of the day, the Constitution is secondary to the fact that somebody did a bad thing and needs to be punished for it. But I think that kind of logic was used in 9-11. After 9-11, we got the Patriot Act. And the Patriot Act, looking back by a lot of people on both sides of the aisle, would say that the Patriot Act was an overreaction to the events of 9-11. I think that the government will always use a act of violence, especially at one that is seen as terrorist, as an excuse to get more power and to overstep the Constitution. And I I still don't think we know exactly how far sweeping the Patriot Act was. I I was born before the Patriot Act, but 
you know, I think 9-11 happened when I was four. I don't remember it. I don't remember what a pre-Patriot Act America looks like. But you can see from some of the things leaked by Edward Snowden and all, you know, as more evidence comes out, just the kind of things that the American government has done breaching on our right to privacy and our freedom of speech and association and picking at the very bedrock of our country that is the Constitution. And I think you saw that from the Patriot Act as a result of 9-11. I think a lot of people look at the Capitol riots and say, this is almost, if not more, scary than 9-11 was. Because we're not talking about people that don't live here. We're talking about our neighbors. And people are scared. And that kind of fear, I think, lends itself to government overreach. And I see this impeachment as part of that. So while it wouldn't be the end of the world, I don't think if Donald Trump wasn't allowed to run for office ever again, I don't think it'd matter all that much because I think he would never be president again. I think the greater thing to look at here is preservation of our Constitution. And I, like I said before, I think people, I think that the government has been slowly and surely picking away at it. And I think that's probably going to be my next podcast episode is kind of my rather dismal view of American history um, and explaining how we've become more and more progressive as a result of the Overton window and why conservatism has been largely unsuccessful despite winning a lot of elections. But my point is here that I don't want this to be part of a broader overreaction, um, much in the same way that the Patriot Act was to 9-11. So on that happy note, I am ending this podcast probably, I don't know, a little bit on the early side. But I wanted to thank you all for listening. And as I said, I am no great constitutional scholar. I am just learning how to read the Constitution and how to read law. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just a first-year law student at George Mason University. But that is my take on what's happening now. So thank you for listening.